episode is brought to you by Oxenham Group. Disengaged employees cost U.S. companies up to $550 billion per year, and a recent Gallup poll showed that only 33% of the U.S. workforce considers itself engaged. How are you ensuring that the people you hire are engaged? The Oxenham Group is a recruiting company that focuses on why a person takes a job and what makes them stay. They do this by understanding one's motivation, skills, and personal mission. Oxenham's proprietary process focuses on three main areas. Sociologists prepared questions, IBM proven assessments, and Gallup-Clifton strengths. The combined results give the interviewer valuable insight into the potential for close alignment and the likelihood of engagement. Reach out today to learn more about how you can identify highly engaged people and harness the power of alignment with Oxenham Group. For more information, please call 605-610-3026 or visit their website at oxenhamgroup.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Canopy Cast. This is John Michael Price. With me are Christopher McGurn and Michael O'Connor. Uh, today we have a guest, Jordan Mendoza, Training Development Manager at Gables Residential, also uh, co- uh, sorry, also host of Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. Uh, welcome to the show, Jordan. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time, guys. I appreciate any opportunity to share what I do, so appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, just to get started, uh, you know, you have a lot going on uh, with a corporate job, podcast host, and uh, I think you said as well, private consulting. Why don't you just give us a little backstory on what you do, what you're passionate about, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I would love <clears throat> love to give you guys some some context. So whenever I'm on a podcast, I think the first place I always like to start is kind of origin story, right? So you know, where did I grow up? You know, who are the people around me that? Uh, have been influential in my life and, and, you know, cause really I think it's your surrounding cast that really helps you along, right? We kind of, we kind of fumble our way through things and there's people that are there to support us. So I actually grew up in the Pacific Northwest, Portland, Oregon. So I'm a massive uh, Portland sports fan. Trailblazers um, is, is our team, right? It's our only professional team. Um, so always been a big fan of them. And so I grew up with my, my mom and my stepdad, um, who um, he was an alcoholic. So that was, you know, makes it tough when you're a kid, when you see the things that can happen when people are alcoholics. And my mom has a pretty unique story. She, she actually was born with one lung. Um, And so this was back in 1958. And back in those days, if you were born with one lung, there was basically a couple things the doctors told you. They, they said for one, you probably won't live to be 18 years old, right? They didn't think that the technology or the human body could you know, take the effects of living off of one lung. And they also told her that she probably wouldn't have any children. And so she was one of those people that was a fighter, right? She actually lived to 54 years old and she ended up having five boys. So like she is somebody that, you know, I look at from, from an adversity perspective, because I think as humans, we all go through adversity, but she handled it with such grace and class and positivity and didn't use it as a crutch, even though she couldn't work. She, she was like the side hustle queen before they existed. She would do bingo or go to the dog races, right? Like she had her little hustles on of ways to provide for her family and to make, and to make money, you know? So, you know, we're growing up in North Portland with, you know, you got four kids. We have one brother that's actually a little a little older I'm 20 years older than him so right it was another miracle one of the five miracle babies right but you know she always just just pushed through and and remained positive and and taught me about kindness and empathy so that's you know that's kind of 50 percent 
um, of where I've gotten that side of me. And then, you know, I had an opportunity to meet my dad when I was 12. And this was very, a very interesting experience because I grew up with my brothers and we didn't have a lot poverty, food stamps, you know, you, you want to talk about, you know, trying to get to your next meal type of stuff. Right. And then I get an opportunity at 12 to fly out to Washington DC to meet my dad for the first time. And, you know, of course, all the, all the thoughts on the flights out there is like, where the heck's this guy been? Right. You know? And so of course that's, it's a tough situation to go into, but he was, you know, I would say well off, he was probably upper middle class, but he had his own business and he'd been operating that business for a while. And so, you know, he started to teach me things that first summer about, you know, working hard, you know, making sure that no matter what you do, you work hard, even when no one's there to watch you. Because if you can do that, when no one's watching, then when people are watching, you can even perform at a higher level, right? So I started to learn that hard work from him. And at 16, I got the opportunity to go meet um, some of my family, my grandparents in the Philippines. And you want to talk about culture shift and perspective shift, try going to a third world country for three months and experiencing living, you know, in, in the mountains with pumping your own water and how people are just so happy with, with little, you know, um, they didn't have much, but they had so much love and happiness. So, you know, I've had these different moments and pockets and things in life and people that um, it helped me evolve into who I am, right? I've seen good examples. I've seen bad examples, but I would say that mom and dad are kind of the two most positive influencers in my life. And they've really helped me along the journey. That's awesome. That's an incredible backstory. Uh, you know, props to your mom for for fighting it out and you know, just having uh, having the life that she did and being able to impact you and I'm assuming your your other four brothers as well in, in an amazing way. Uh, that's that's just incredible. And you know, we've been having that kind of theme of empathy continually show up on our podcast with our guests, and it's just awesome to be able to experience that in so many different ways and fashions through through other people. And I think that's a huge testament to where our society is and, and is heading uh, with the, you know, the kind of theme of empathy of just being there for one another, especially in, you know, times right now with COVID and, and how society is being affected. I agree with that. Absolutely. It, yeah. It's definitely, um, if it wasn't a focus before, it should be now, right? <laughs> that's, that's how I right. look at most businesses. I'm like, Hey, listen, don't, don't be worried about future business. What about the people that are here now? What about your employees today? What about your clients today? They're paying very close attention in how you're treating them and how you're responding and the things that you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And Mike, uh, Mike and I are actually having a conversation uh, probably about a week ago about the different companies and responses to tough times. He can word it uh, a lot better than I can, but I'd love to hear your opinion, especially from you know, a training development manager's perspective. Uh, Mike, you're talking about the differences in, in businesses and their response to employees, whether they uh, fire or, you know, keep them on during really difficult times and the, the level of transparency and how that affects their business in the future. Um, I'd love if you could kind of bring that up. I, I could try, but you'd word it a lot better than I do. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's just, I think, um, man, I, I, you, uh, there was no prep for this. I, I just have to You're the economics about. major. You brought this on yourself. <laughs> I think I was talking about, you know, there was there's many case studies out there of companies that were on the brink of failure or there was severe economic downturns, whether it's the Great Depression, 2008, whatever. And, you know, some companies will 
most companies will have layoffs or, you know, some sort of attempt to cut costs and kind of get everything back on track and, you know, just focus on kind of their profit formula. And there are these stories, amazing stories of companies that they'll be completely honest with their employees and say, hey, look, like we, we literally can't pay you guys right now. Um, we don't have, you know, the kind of resources right now. We don't want to fire you though. Like you guys are family. If, if you guys want, we can all band together and just work hard and try and do well for our customers and, you know, take the hit together and see if we can keep going and see what happens. And many companies kind of get through this where employees are willing to just work and to kind of give of themselves and, you know, at the management at the same level, everyone is having that empathy with each other to get through this. And some, some companies come out of that stronger than ever. You know, this will be a, a re-uptick re in business and they'll be incredible players and they've had an unbelievable camaraderie in their, in their workforce. And I think it's been amazing to see recently, you know, with the coronavirus, how there's been a lot of companies that handle things poorly. And there's, I think there's a lot of companies that are handling things well. And it's been amazing to see that kind of contrast so vividly recently. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. I mean, we're seeing a clear case of fight or flight, right? You've got people that when everything happened, they're like, oh man, this is phenomenal. There's a lot of opportunities. And then you have people say, oh no, this is happening. I'm going to go in, into hiding, you know? So it's, it's all about what, what are we, what are you going to do? Right? Because if you think about it, the, we're not going back to how it was seven weeks ago, <laughs> right? Like there's a lot of companies out there, a lot of big corporations that are going to say, man, like Bill did really good at home, working from home. Like, do we really need to have to spend this money on this office space? Right. Do we really need a hundred thousand square feet of office? Maybe we'll like get it down to 20. Right. And give, give people, right. Cause a lot of organizations looked at before COVID and they said, there's no way people can work from home. Like one day a week is like max, right. All of a sudden everybody's at home. You know, and they're, they're seeing the productivity, they're seeing the sales results, they're seeing, you know, the way that social is impacting business. I mean, it's, it's been very, very interesting to see for sure. Yeah. And I think with, with life in general, I mean, like obviously with the business, but really just across the board with life, it's, it's a time for radical, you know, radical movement, whether on the business front, whether it's with your family, whether it's, you know, what, whatever that may be. It's, it's a time of black and white. There's, there's no more gray. You know, I, I was in a Wendy's parking lot talking to Michael here. And we were just talking about like our business. We were talking about just life in general. And it's, it, it's that, that came up. It was just like, wow, like it's a time to live radically more than ever. Just like life as we know it is going to be different moving forward. And we have to accept that and, and figure out how we're going to approach that. 100%. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Like you said, it's, we're not going back to the scene that we were, you know, seven weeks ago. And um, it's, it's been really interesting for us because our main business chameleon is built on a remote first communication model. And, you know, it was, it was really interesting for us to see these other businesses, you know, clients that we had, people that we were talking to describing how there was so much of a struggle to transition to remote work. And we were just sitting here like, okay, we're doing the, the same thing that we've been doing. And there's no, there's no change for us, uh, at least, you know, in that, that one specific business. But it was really interesting to kind of, um, you know, get the, the confirmation that like we're being innovative, but, you know, other people are being forced to be innovative now. And, you know, forceful innovation isn't always necessarily taken well 
especially by big corporate, you know, companies that have to make those transitions. Cause I know a lot of businesses, like you said, have said, okay, you know, you have to have one day a week at home and, and that's it. And they weren't really willing to experiment with more than that because they didn't know how it was going to go. And when you're at that big of a scale, you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And I think there are going to be so many studies, um, you know, taken from this because all of these companies had to, they didn't have a choice. And it, it's just fascinating. Um, but yeah, how have you seen that specifically affect, you know, your current job and, and performance of people, you know, you're, you're a training development manager. How have you seen that affect that specific aspect of the job where I don't know if you've brought anybody on from a remote environment, you know, onboarding, anything like that, or, or current people that you've had, how have you seen that kind of affect the, the current workflow where you are? Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. And, you know, fortunately for our team, we've been, we started about six months ago to start offering virtual live instructor led training. Right. So that's really set the foundation. And literally, I want to say like two or three weeks prior to COVID, our entire company switched to Zoom phone and Zoom for our video conferencing. I mean, it was like, like, you know, somebody knew this is coming, right? Because literally <laughs> everybody just got over. So there was already a little bit of familiarity, but it's a different thing in having it and using it. Right. Sure. You know, like they, they're like, Oh, everybody's freaking out. What are we going to do? How are we going to train our people? And my boss literally calls me on a Monday night and I, he's like, I need to buy tomorrow. I need you to create some content so we can teach our on-site salespeople how to shoot video, how to create a YouTube account and upload these videos. They can take the links to the videos and use it for their prospects so they can now tour them virtually. And I said, listen, this will be a good band-aid, but what I want to build out is a course that teaches them how to sell using the new technology that we've spent all this money on. So I went to work and I built a training course. It's called Maximizing Sales in a Virtual Environment. And now I'm teaching that. I've already put 400 of our associates through it over the last handful of weeks. And it literally is teaching them. And again, it's, it's so interesting because most people, when, it, when they're like, oh, crap, like I've got to be on camera, right? You know, it, you freak out because it's, it's a form of public speaking. But what I've been telling them is like, listen, you were already doing this. You were already leasing to people in California. They couldn't see the place, but you send them a link. Well, now this actually gets the sales process face-to-face. -face. You can talk with these prospects. You can show them your personality. You can share with them the videos, the 3D tours, but you can do that with them. And so now when you close them, you just drop that link to rent that apartment in the chat in Zoom. They can literally go right to that link, right? So I, I, had to I wanted to create a way that we can train people at scale and have it be sustainable because yeah, like people can't come to tour our buildings anymore. They can't because of all the restrictions. So this was the next best thing to make sure that they can actually maximize their sales efforts. Yeah. And that's fascinating to hear the, like the innovative process that you went through there. It's interesting that your, your company was already transitioning to kind of these kind of more newer emergent kind of tools and strategies. And then you were able to just innovate on the spot. Like, okay, we have this problem. We're going to do this and this. And to achieve that at, it seems like, you know, it's very quick as well. You, what, just what, said two, you just said two of my strengths. I'm an activator <laughs> and achiever. If you look at the Gallup, your top five activator and achiever are, are two of my top five. 
So that that's the reason why, right? Like that's just how I am. Communication is another one, right? You know, so you use these strengths that you have and, and, you know, I'm a big believer in strengths. I teach a six month leadership program every year, my favorite part of the year, because it starts with the foundational introspective look at yourself. We actually have everyone take the Myers-Briggs type indicator assessment. I'm certified in Myers-Briggs. So we have them take that. They get a deep dive into themselves. And then we go into topics like strengths-based leadership, right? Once you can know your strengths, you don't focus on the weaknesses anymore. You focus on what? Building those strengths. Because when people focus on their weakness, it actually, their strengths start to go down and start to diminish, right? You ever seen a, you ever seen a player that was sitting on the couch for six weeks and then he gets picked up by an NFL team. What's he look like when he gets out there? He looks crappy. Why? Because he didn't he didn't use his strengths, right? And so, yeah, it's crazy that you said you literally said two of those strengths <laughs> that I had. And so that's why I'm enabled to just kind of quickly move. Like he's like, hey, do this. I'm like, well, we can do this, but this is how I want it to look, and let me build it. You know, I, that's just the way that I am. You know. And it's not surprising at all that he went to you. Like, it makes sense just from, just from listening. Like it makes sense why he went to you in the time that he did. And, and, you know, he knew he could count on you. And I'm, you know, that's, that's fantastic to hear. That's really impressive and and props to you for that. Appreciate it. What was it that first got you to, you know, kind of realize your strengths? Like, was there a defining moment where you kind of realized there was a test or was it kind of a process, you know? Yeah. So I first took the strengths assessment. I think it was 2014. We were down in Orlando. Um, it was like our training team. We, we have these meetings that we do where there's a bunch of team building and our entire team took, took this assessment. And I don't know if you've all taken, I think now it's called Clifton strengths, but you take this assessment. It's about 30 minutes. It populates your top five out of 34 possibilities. And when, when that gets laid out to you, right, when it, when it gets put in black and white and you can see it and you're like, wow, that makes a lot of sense that like, okay, I can see myself in that. I can see myself in that. And then you take a deeper dive into what those strengths actually mean and how you can use them to your benefit. I mean, the the world is wide open, right? Because if you continuously invest in yourself and for my role, that's actually harder because I'm usually investing in other people, you Mm -hmm. know? So I have to actually make that switch and say, you know what? it's time for me to eat. It's time for me to consume content. It's time for me to, to learn something because you've got to, when you're coaching people, like I coach people for six months, I train them when you're doing that, you have to be on all the time. You don't, there, there's not an opportunity. Now, can people be off? Absolutely. But I know for me, I want the people in the cohort to get the best experiences possible. So you've got to be, you got to be on your game, you know? Yeah. Interestingly enough, this actually definitely reminds me of the, the sponsor for this episode, Oxenham Group, because they're a recruiting agency that focuses specifically on Gallup Clifton strengths and, and all of that, like and how they find the alignment and whatnot for for the recruiting. Uh, so it, it's really interesting to to talk about this. It's like, well, I'm sure they'll appreciate that. So. Yeah, I wasn't even planning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, kind of going from that, you know, discussing strengths and you know finding what you're good at what do you look for in people um you know either when you're in a hiring a a position of hiring someone or in in training what are some of the key things you're looking for for someone in sales you know specifically uh for yourself for for your industry but just kind of like overall as well because i'm sure there there are people listening in who are interested in sales wondering like you know do i have what it takes what what is it that you know what's that kind of x factor that you you look for 
Yeah, so our organization, we do have a pre-hire assessment. It's done through People Answers. And really, that assessment is tailored to really see if somebody's a good culture fit, right? Because I think, I think that's the most important thing, right? You've got to hire people that fit your culture because that way you're, you're at least weeding some folks out, right, in the beginning that really shouldn't get to that interview process. So, so our, we have a culture fit assessment. After that, you know, we put them through a bunch of different training. So we have, you know, virtual training, but I think that the key for anyone in sales, if anyone's listening and they're thinking about doing sales, uh, it's all a mindset game, right? I, I don't care, you know, business, life, everything's a mindset game. I, I heard a guy and I don't know who he got the quote from, but I was just in Orlando in February, right before COVID hit. And our instructor for the day, he said, the inner game controls the outer game, right? I mean, and this rings so true. If, if, and everybody sells, I don't care what company you're in, like th there are sales that happen in your organization, right? Everybody does it. So if you have a crappy attitude, guess what? People are gonna recognize that it's contagious. Just like when you have a good attitude, that's also contagious. So I think the number one thing I'm looking at is like, how are you at handling objections? Because, you know, if you, if you get an objection and every time it, it starts to lower your attitude, then we've got to fix your mindset. We've got to focus on that area. Right. Um, and so what I tell people is listen, your attitude, and you guys may have seen this old, you know, flip chart thing, but you know, attitude equals a hundred percent. If you take the alphabet, there's, you know, we've got, you know, a through Z and you give a numerical, um, category to each of the letters, right? A is one, B is two, and so on and so forth. If you actually take the word attitude and write it out and calculate it, it equals 100%, okay? Hard work equals 98%, knowledge equals 96. But hard work, right? Because you can have hard work and knowledge, but if you have a crappy attitude, you're not gonna get to where you wanna go. I love that, that's, that's Yeah, that's, that's fantastic, awesome. yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I, I never would have thought about that, but that's, that's a great analogy. And that's totally true too. I mean, um, you know, that's something that we really like to focus on as well as that culture. Um, because you know, it's, it's not only do they fit your culture, but how are the, how's the person going to affect the culture? Because every time you add an employee, it's another piece of the puzzle and you know, whether people want to, you know, admit it or not, every time you add an employee, they change the culture whether it's you know minutely or drastically and if it's a if it's a really bad attitude like you're talking about and they don't fit uh it's going to change the culture for the whole the whole company and obviously you know the more people you have in your company the, the less it's going to affect it but i think that's especially something that people in startup phase need to be really careful of uh, because you don't have that many people and and one one person can mean you know the downfall of the entire business it's it's incredibly interesting yeah, I find I find that fascinating. You, you mentioned the the internal game and the external game. I think that is so important to you know to find like you're saying, John Michael, to find the people who are playing their internal game, you know, well, who are doing a good job, who have you know self esteem and are, are confident in who they are. And I guess how did you going back to you, Jordan? How did you kind of start into the industry of helping people understand who they are? You know, like how did you get into the the whole training mindset because like you said you, you're, you're constantly pouring yourself out into other people helping them to do better what what brought you into that 
You know, I, I think a lot of it started. So, so my very first job, right, this is at 14 years old, 1995, was going door to door and signing people up for newspaper subscriptions, right? So literally, like, here I am at 14 years old, I'm, I've got a, an apartment complex or a neighborhood, and I've literally got to go and knock on 100 doors a day. Well, day one sucked, <laughs> right? Like, every, everybody told me no on day one. And it was it, like it impacted me so much that I almost didn't want to go back on day two, right? But I had, you know, talked to the guy, we were settling up all of our stuff at the end. And, you know, he said something to me and, you know, I've never forgotten it ever since. But he said, you know, what? you're probably not going to understand this, Jordan, today, but one day, hopefully you'll get this. And I, and I said, okay, whatever, just tell me I want to go home, you know? And he said, uh, you know, the sale doesn't start until the customer says no. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'll go home now, right? And I was like, you know, it, literally it took me probably a year, year or two or three to, to really figure this out. And so I had had numerous sales jobs after that. I was like a sales leader and a trainer. And I remember I had a salesperson that had their first day and they had the same goofy look on their face when they came back that I did. And you could tell they were frustrated. And this is the first time it really clicked with me. I told him, I said, the sale doesn't start until the customer says no. And so, you know, to give you context, what does that mean? Right. But, but that's been ingrained in us as humans since we were kids. You remember being a kid and you reach up towards the oven to grab something. And they're like, no, don't touch it. It's hot. Or when you ask to go outside and they're like, no, it's bedtime. And you tried to stay up a little later and they said, no, like we are literally naturally wired from kids as humans to say no. Like that's the, just the natural instinct. And so I had to really get good. And this is where it all started, right? The question that you asked, this is where it started because no is no means the beginning of the conversation, not the end. And so I had to get real creative. I had to get real creative and I had to, because here's the thing, when you're walking up someone's driveway, you've got about 20 feet from driveway to door in most cases. So I had to get really good at looking at everything around me. I would look at their flags that they had outside. I would look at their car. I would try to find some place and point where I could break the ice before they could get a dang word out, <laughs> right? Because I already know what I already know what their initial response is going to be when I knock on that door. Um, I mean, I've heard like "get out of my lawn." I've heard "you woke up my baby." I mean, you at 14 years old, I heard every dang no that you could possibly get, right? But what it helped me do is it helped me learn how to read people, how to relate to people, how to relax and really start to, to get things out of people. And so I would actually come up with what I was going to say right when they opened the door. I'd be like, they'd open the door. I'd say, Hey, awesome flag. Are you a whatever fan? Like, you know, and then, and they're, they're like ice just started to melt, right? Because I'm hitting something before they even have an opportunity. But that got me really good at having conversations. And when you have conversations, it's actually more about being a better listener, right? You have two ears and one mouth, you got to use them in that ratio, especially when it comes to sales, you know, there's the art of pause, you know, the first one that talks loses all these different techniques. So I started to learn these things. And so that really helped me as a coach, identify things in other people because I became a good listener. Because in sales, you actually want to listen twice as much as you speak and not the other way around because that's how, that's how you'll get yourself caught, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. I love Thank you so much for sharing that.
Yeah, no problem. That's crazy. I think that's, um, you know, really, really good advice for people just getting into sales too, especially right now, because I know it has to be incredibly discouraging to start a sales career in the middle of COVID. I, I can't even imagine it because you have, you know, this, this opportunity for a job. And, you know, I was talking to someone recently and they said, it's, it's what's interesting about sales is it's one of the only jobs where your performance directly reflects your compensation. And it's, it's very true. And also, you know, kind of very unfortunate for right now because no one's wanting to really do business. And of course there are those industries, you know, that are excelling healthcare, supply chain, you know, everything and, and logistics of what people are in excess of using right now. Uh, but for the most part, especially, you know, B2B sales, it's, it's tanked. And, you know, it, a lot of it is that mindset of understanding, you know, like you just have to build relationships and you just have to keep working at it and it's going to pay off. Um, so that's, that's an awesome, uh, awesome story there. I love that. Yeah, I think we're going to need to to have all of our salespeople that work for us kind of take a listen to this episode and be like, hey, hey, I wrote I an article actually on LinkedIn. You can check it out on my profile. I haven't read yeah. that article because it's literally it's like all the things I learned at 14 years old doing door to door sales. You know, I, I wrote an article and it's it's there. It's free. Let them read that because it, it will definitely help because a, a lot of it's about, you know, smile, eye contact, enthusiasm, right? Those are key ingredients, how to read, relax and relate, you know, all these different things that I learned then that are still foundational today, right? Those, those, those things haven't changed in 25 years, right? Like you, you have to make eye contact with people. You got to smile, you got to read people's body language, you know, all those things, those are, you know, as old as dirt, but they still work because sales is a relationship it's, it's all about relationships, right? If, if you're in sales for the transaction, you're in the wrong industry because I want to have something that's sustainable. I want people to refer me, you know, I want people to promote, right? All of those things. So if you're looking at sales as just a, like, how do I get my next commission? Then it, it's, you're not going to be as successful. It, it reminds me of something that Michael over here says all the time, you know, like what is business? Like what is in essence business? And it's, it's the two people it's, it's person to person. Like at the end of the day, it's about the person you're dealing with. And it's not just the mere transaction. Like you're saying, uh, Michael, you care to elaborate on that at all. I know that's, that's your thing <laughs> you've mentioned several times and I always, I always love it. I know it's, I'm getting, I'm getting called on a lot in this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so true. Like, like you said, the relationship rather than, than the transaction, because it's, as Chris was, was saying, like business is, is it's an interaction between human beings and as much, you know, as much AI technology comes out and voice recognition, and everything, it's still, you still can't, not yet anyway, still can't have an AI do a sales call. And you can't have that kind of interaction and that that human interface. That's so vital, because if like like you're saying, if you know if you're if you're not smiling, if you're not making eye contact, if you're not enthusiastic, those are just red flags that are ingrained into like the human psyche. Like those are very base kind of primordial influences on interaction, and that that's so crucial to to have that you're willing and able to make a connection with you know a stranger on a moment's notice is, is so important because they are the person, they're the person that you're trying to, you know, to, to help. And I think it's so, I think it's so important too in sales. You know, I think you, you touched on a little bit too, to really not just be focused on like your commission, but helping 
the actual person. Like if you're convinced that you are helping them um, by, you know, selling them this product or service, et cetera, you're going to try a lot harder. You're going to be like, look, I'm, I'm literally trying to help you out. Like I'm giving you this valuable product, et cetera. I think that's so powerful to have that human to human interaction, that human to human empathy, like we were, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I was just about to say that. I was going to say I, I, it keeps coming back to that theme of empathy and, you know, the person to person interaction relationship. And I think that's one reason why podcasts are so popular right now is people recognize that, you know, give and take relationship of, you know, getting on talking and just getting real and having a conversation about what's going on, whether it's business, you know, whether it's a comedy podcast, whatever it is, it's that relationship and you know raw empathy that, that people are experiencing and really yearning for uh, but, but yeah i mean you know going going off of that i know uh, I, I can speak for the other two guys too we'd love to hear more about laser and trail what you've been doing with that and uh, you know kind of the backstory there and where where you're taking that yeah yeah perfect so so my podcast journey this is actually second attempt right so i would think it was may of last year i went on Buzzsprout and I recorded like two solo episodes, but um, it's very interesting when I look back at doing that is like, I want, I wanted to do it, but I wasn't willing to invest the time and energy into it. Right. And I think, I think everybody's been in that position. So it went from like idea to action to just took a nosedive. Right. So, um, so just to give you guys some context on kind of my, my LinkedIn journey, right. Cause I think everybody, uh, people that listen, if they're not on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is now become a powerhouse when it comes to social media and content creation. So, um, last year in April, I logged into LinkedIn, um, after, and it had been probably a few months since I've been on there. And, um, I don't know if you guys had this experience, but I logged in and I was like, whoa, like what happened to LinkedIn? Like, it's not just about updating your resume and congratulating people on their jobs. Like people are actually shooting videos. They're doing all these things. So I started consuming a lot of content. I started getting inspired by other people and the things that they were doing and getting encouraged to start creating content on my own. So I just started showing up. I started creating videos. I, you know, tried to be consistent. And then all of a sudden I started to notice that people were engaging with my content. Right. I remember the first video was like three views and like all of them were me probably. Right. You know, you're going back to look to see if anyone's like, who's watching this. Is anybody looking at this? You know, but, but as the year started to progress, this amazing thing happened where as I showed up, as I produced content, when people engage, if I engage back, the, the amazing conversations that were happening in within that post. And so by the end of 2019, I was sitting in December and I crossed, I think I was at 7,000 connections and followers and I passed 20,000 in December. And I was like, holy crap, like from April to December, that's, that's a pretty big increase. And then I, you know, look back in April, I hit 4,000. I was like, whoa, hang on a second. Like I went from here to here and now 20 to 40, literally within, you know, 90 days or something like that. It, it was, it was insane. I, and so as this growth was happening, I started saying, you know what, like as my audience is building, I want to figure out a way that I can add a lot of value back to the audience. Right. And so the whole show itself, the reason why 
I started it is for one, I had a vision. I said, you know what? I'm a massive Trailblazers fan, so I want to figure out a way to incorporate my home team name into my show. But I also want to interview people that have blazed their own trail in business and in life and share and share the real stories, not just how they got, not just the success, but like what fire did they have to crawl through? What dirt did they have to shovel to get to today? And so the show starts out with kind of where people are today. We take a rewind back to when they were a kid and we bring it back to the, to the beginning, right? Um, but it, it gives people context and it gives people real organic conversations. And so uh, I don't actually research my guests. So, so now I'm fortunate where a lot of people reach out to me to be on the show. I remember being the person that had to do so much out. I'm like, who wants to be on? You know, like trying to get people. But, you know, as the show has been growing and I've been getting guests and now I'm in season two, um, it's just been such an amazing and rewarding journey. Like I've interviewed people that if you would have asked me a year ago, like, what would you think about having this person on your podcast? I'd be like, I don't know who they are. They would never come on. You know what I'm saying? Like all these amazing things, these amazing relationships start to happen and then they start to refer other people to you. And it's just been this crazy journey. I think now there's listeners in 45 countries, you know, and it's, we just launched on January 1st. So it's been so cool. And again, the relationships that I've been building from the guests that have been come on that I now have their cell phone numbers and we text back and forth with each other to business partnerships, to adding, being able to add value and offer free service, you know, all of that just kind of culmination is, is what's been so rewarding about the journey. That's awesome. Yeah. The congrats on the success. You said you launched in January. That's a, that's an incredible growth and in, in just, you know, I guess that's four months now. Um, that's, that's crazy. You know, we're, we're hoping for the same, you know, I, I think now also just like, you know, like I said before, perfect time to get into podcasting too, because everyone is just looking to, to have that person to person interaction, um, experiences, content that they can consume too. So, yeah. Yeah. And just by, just by listening to everything you just said, I, I keep like seeing and hearing the same thing for us. It's like, yep. Oh, that point. Yep. Been there. Yep. Going through that. Like it's, it's so relatable. You hit on, on so many truths when it comes to, you know, the, like what it takes, what it's like for podcasting, what we're currently going through, what we're looking to go through. Like it was just very relatable and it was, it was intriguing to listen to. I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, Chris has been the one that's been doing a lot of reaching out to people. So I'm sure he's looking forward to the, the stuff where people start reaching out to us. And, and they have. That's yeah. the thing. There's, there's honestly a lot of people where it's like, hey, like I, I saw that episode with so-and-so. Like, you know, like, can I come on your podcast? And, it, and it's like, it's this weird thing of like, I'm now doing like interviews with like, okay, so like, why do you want to come on our podcast? Like, in you know, this whole thing. And it's, it's fascinating. It, it's, it's pretty nice, to be honest, <laughs> having people go to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, podcasts are win-win, right? It's win-win marketing, yes. right? Yes. It's a win for the host. It's a win for the guest. And, yes. you know, you can cross market and promote each other. I mean, it's literally the best way to add value at scale to other people, in my opinion. You yes, know? I totally um, agree. Because, yeah. my listen, if you're, if you're a guest on my show, you better believe it, that stuff's going out several days on every social platform. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to bring business to my guests. I, they have a book. Yes. I want to sell it. They've got a podcast. I want people to listen to it. You know, they've had a movie. I want people to watch Like I want them to grow from this. You know, I want to partner with them because like they've, I've invested time in them. They've invested time in me. And so that partnership is what it's all about. 
right? The networking aspect of it and the relationships that grow and stem from that. You know, you think about like a year away, what those relationships would be like that are just now in their infancy. And it's just amazing all the opportunities that can come about. Exactly. Exactly. I love how I love how you touched on, uh, you know, the, the kind of the networking aspect, and then earlier talking about how LinkedIn has kind of become this boom town recently. How you know, in the last five years or so, um, podcasts definitely weren't as you know as common. LinkedIn was definitely more like the right kind of thing, and now there's this incredible trend towards a really integrated kind of professional environment where everyone is. I think a lot more open and like willing to share their expertise, share their story, share value. And then I think it's incredible to see, you know, what's happened since the coronavirus of, I think there's an even more profound and integrated community across industries, across professions, channels. And it's been amazing to get to, to kind of see that, you know, on LinkedIn, on other podcasts, and then to experience that like this, you know, like to be able to talk to amazing people like you and interact across spectrums that, you know, in a, in a non-digital age, you know, who, who, would, who would be meeting, who would be talking to each other, you know, it's just the inner circle. It's amazing to get to expand that circle so broadly now. And I think it's, it's a, a real testament, again, like we were saying, to, to kind of human connections and empathy that people are so willing to come on a podcast, to spend time just chatting, just conversing, sharing value across the board people from all walks of life, all ages, all experiences. It's, it's really incredible. Completely agree with that. And going, and going off of that, you know, the one liner we tell people as far as canopy cast, like, okay, so like what's canopy cast about? It's an ecosystem of expertise, right? So like what we want to do, our whole goal, our whole mission for this is to showcase people and who they are and what they do in the various fields and industries and their respective professions and bring them, like give the attention to them, showcase them. The show is about them. We're simply the host. We facilitate a conversation. But at the end of the day, this episode is about Jordan Mendoza, right? And like all the episodes are that way with our guests. Like it's, it's guest centric. And that's not just a buzzword. Like that's the living reality of what Canopy Cast is and, and its purpose. And um, it's, you know, it's when you put people first, like anything can happen. And, and, and the beautiful part is that you don't put people first so that something can happen. They're not a means to the end. The person is the end. But as a result of that, oftentimes it's the free advertising, the marketing, you know, helping each other out, networking and all of that is a, is a fruit from those seeds that you've planted. And it's, it's been incredible to, to see how other people have benefited from that and learn from them, but also to see that with our own podcast. I mean, that's already happening for us. And it's, it's, it's honestly incredible. Yeah. It's great to see the win-win mindset just take full effect. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, but yeah, kind of going off of that too, um, you know, speaking from your experience, seeing, you know, sales go from, you know, door to door uh, newspaper, which I'm sure is a, a little bit less acceptable in today's age. You know, if someone shows up and knocks at your door, that's, that's kind of out of the ordinary. People don't really do that anymore unless it's for political campaigning, right? But, uh, you know, going from that to, to just, you know, two months ago, um, where it's mostly digital and, you know, calling people and even cold calling now has kind of gotten the boot and, you know, emailing is the new cold calling and it's, it's all going digital and now taking that and going to a remote perspective, you know, what do you think the next step is for, for sales and just kind of business person to person interaction uh, and like having that transaction information and services? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we're going to we're going to be seeing more digital conferences, digital summits. You know, I've I was involved with one um, a couple weeks ago where it's, you know, it, it was supposed to be in person. Right. But with COVID happened and all of a sudden now I'm speaking at a digital conference versus in person. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think that we're going to see a lot more. Uh, schools shifting over to the digital model. We're going to see a lot. Of, I mean, like everything is just going to be pushed to that way because people are noticing, right? They're noticing things. They're noticing that how quickly people can adopt to this new landscape, right? Because like everybody was literally forced into it. So there were certain people that could do it and they were teaching the other, everybody else, right? Like our team of seven was teaching the whole organization how to operate and navigate these waters. So I think also um, you mentioned voice earlier. I think voice is going to come into effect, but I think that one company, one manufacturer out there is going to get really smart and they're going to develop these zoom app for TVs and put a camera in the dang TV. And then you're going to wake up in the morning and say, Hey, Alexa, who's on my calendar? It's going to pop up your Zoom meetings and you're going to say, perfect, get ready for my nine o'clock. And then you're going to be standing and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I think what we're going to shift to. And it's, it's funny because like, we've seen that in movies for years and years and years. And finally, you know, I'm still waiting for the fact, like for the day that I can time on my watch, it's like, let's figure that out. A long time ago and so did you know inspector gadget but we can't figure this out how to facetime on our watches yet right like just imagine you're jogging doing a zoom call on your watch like you know we're not too far from a time and a place where these things are going to start to come to fruition yeah for sure yeah and it's incredible to like like you said the the options are are limitless you know from the hardware to the the integrations to the the, the channels of it's in, amazing to see i think a lot of companies that just never thought about or talked about um integrations and innovations in this kind of realm you know the, the office it's, it's funny us uh one of our companies chameleon we were planning on um opening up a like a significant office location um in denver colorado this summer right before uh, the virus hit, you know, we were touring all, all these different locations, you know, we were pretty, we were pretty locked in. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see, you know, that's kind of, it's, it's a whole different world now. And it's amazing to see the, the effect of that in, in just the thought process. I think human beings are, are so adaptable. Um, like, like you were saying, like, like your mother is an unbelievable case of, you know, just the power of like human adaptability. Like she's so strong in that. And I think that, that we're seeing a lot of people kind of getting back their adaptability, kind of um, their their chops again in this situation that requires it. And it's, I'm, I'm really excited to see, like you were saying, you know, what happens in across spectrums, but especially sales for communication, because like we've been talking about, it's that human to human communication. So there's the, you know, the aspect of maybe some people feel more distant, distant in this digital environment, but there's so many ways to bring people closer together. And I guess a, a question I have for you, you know, you know, what do you think will be the effect of, and I think that, uh, getting a, a little more in like the personal realm, you know, I've, I've had a lot of interactions with friends and family members, and in some ways it's easier to communicate now. It's almost, there's almost less busyness. You know, you, you don't really have an excuse of, you know, you can always video chat in your home now. Um, and in some ways it's easier to kind of stay connected. There's a little more time. There's, there's more opportunities. What do you think be like the effects in terms of 
just people, you know, with their friends, their families, kind of connections that are being developed and, and kind of maintained. Yeah, and I, I think I'll talk about two different fronts. So for one, the connection with you and the people that you live with or that you're closest to, those relationships right now should be getting stronger, right? Because like you said, I'm not sitting in, in two hours of traffic in my 38 mile commute every day. So I'm saving close to four hours a day. So I thank you, right? Thanks. I just got four hours back, right? Uh, because when you're in your car, there's a lot of lost productivity. And again, uh, I do what most people try to do. I try to stay productive, whether it's listening to a podcast or an audio book or making calls, right? Just trying to stay on the move while, I, while I'm not moving, right? <laughs> like trying to do that. But, you know, it's bringing us closer together. Like I've been playing Zoom Yahtzee with my family in Oregon. Like that's been amazing. You ever, I don't know if you guys have tried that yet, but literally they have the Yahtzee game. I have it. We're rolling. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting professional. I'm like hooking my phone up to one so they can see my dice so they know I'm not cheating. But, you know, like, but things like that, like I'm playing with people and even people that aren't playing, I'm saying, listen, just, just join. We'd love to just see your face. And since we can't see you and you know what I'm saying? And, and these are people 3000 miles away. So yeah, I think you're right. Like people are getting, more close knit and they're realizing how much that connection is so important. Right. Uh, you know, especially people that are more extroverted, right. I'm an extrovert. So like, I can't wait to go and see people see actual humans. Right. But you know, even the, the introverts are now like, man, like it would be great to see a few people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody's seeing the effects of that lack of human connection. So people are literally, being forced into the change. And again, we have to change, right? We, we, we have all changed since we've been on this interview. It's inevitable that humans are going to change. But the thing that we don't like, and one of you hit it on earlier, is no one likes being forced into it, right? No, none of us like to be forced into change, right? Because truthfully, change has to come from within. We have to want to change, right? So there's a choice that we have to make of whether or not we're going to use this time to our advantage or whether we're just going to play the woe is me game and, and uh, everyone's out to get me. So. Yeah, that's very true. And I think, you know, coming from that, there's going to be this kind of, um, you know, spring back effect where when everything starts to go back to normal and people can go back into the office, you know, those big corporate companies like we were talking about are going to try to rake everybody back in. They're going to say, okay, you know, office mandatory again, and everyone's going to try to go back to business as usual. And then they're going to start to see this effect of, you know, certain people dropping in productivity and, you know, people not being as happy and, and maybe in certain numbers going down instead of up. And then they're going to start going back to exploring remote work. But I think it's going to be this the spring spring back effect of like everybody's going to quickly shift back to in office and then i think there's going to be this huge spike of going back towards remote again like you're saying you know do we need the the hundred thousand square feet of office space maybe we can go down to 20. um but i don't think people are going to be willing to readily admit that right away i think they're going to need to go back to normal quote unquote and then start exploring again um, because of what you said, you know, needing to kind of come to that realization on your own. It's very interesting. Yeah. And, and I think it's going to take longer than most of us are predicting, right? Because right. like they're, you know, to, to just make it blanket and say, our office is open, you need to go back. Well, you're going to get a lot of pushback from that. You're going to get a lot of people that say, you know what, 
I haven't seen a decline in, in the numbers yet. You know, like if you look at the World Health Organization, the trajectory is going up. It's, it's not going down yet. So like if, if it were me and, and they said, hey, you got to go back. I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know if I want. I don't feel safe. Like, I don't know if I want to go. You know what I'm saying? And so there's going to be this like several month period is kind of what I'm predicting. There's going to be this several month period that's kind of like a, a mixed bag, right? You'll get some people that are comfortable and then you're going to get people. I mean, like my office, we've got a hundred people and I've got some people that are near retirement. So like, they're really thinking about, is it worth going? You know what I'm saying? So like we, it's going to be very interesting, like you said, seeing this thing play out. And, and also we're going to get a real sense of, you know, what these organizations are all about. Right. Because it, th these are very, very tough and tricky uh, waters to navigate and everybody has their eyeballs on you, right? Not just your employees, but your investors, not just your investors, but anyone else that's some type of stakeholder is watching how you're reacting and responding. So I think it's yeah. going to be interesting. And it's all, it's all like, we're all making predictions because none of us know, <laughs> you know, so. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like I thought we'd be back to normal far before now. And it's just incredible to kind of see the, the week after week. No, it's going to be another week, no, another two weeks, no, three more weeks from now. And it's, it's crazy because I was just talking to someone uh, back home uh, in Virginia and they're saying that some of the businesses have made plans to not even open back up until July. And I'm, I'm just sitting here like, do we really need that long? And then you look at the numbers and yeah, we do uh, in some cases. And it's just crazy to think about that, you know, we're in the, the age where this is actually a reality. I never thought that I'd see a global pandemic. You know, you, you watch TV shows and, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, the Black Plague. And uh, I, I specifically remember thinking about one NCIS episode. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have, have seen it where they happen to get the, the black plague somehow. I can't, it's been so long. I can't remember the exact specifics, but thinking about situations like that, where it's so foreign that our society is at threat to a disease because we've come so far with medicine and then having that slap in the face of reality, like, no, we weren't ready for this. And, and no, like that can still happen to us. Like we're not, you know, we're not immune to, to this happening in society anymore. It's, it's absolutely fascinating and earth shattering for me, at least to, to even have that as a reality. Yeah. I think going off that though, I think something that's important for all of us to think about too, is, you know, when people are like, Oh, like, what do you think about this? What do you think is going to happen? Rather than wasting all of my time and energy trying to figure out what's going to happen when I know that I can't do that anyway, I focus on the present. Like that's like, we can only, we can't control what's going on. Right. So it's, you know, what can I do today? How can I improve myself today? How can our company thrive today rather than all of this stuff? Now, don't get me wrong. Having contingency plans and all of that's important, but like, as far as living a life of fear, like there's no point in that. Like there, there's no point in like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen in the summer? It's like, you're not there yet. You don't know what's happening. Why are you stressing about that? Like stressing about that's not going to help you. Whether it's personally, whether it's with your family, whether it's business, like it's not going to help you. It's, it's going to make it worse. How can I live it out to the fullest in the moment, in the present? And I think that's, I think that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I think we're uh, approaching time. Uh, Mike and Chris, do you guys have any other questions for, for Jordan before we wrap up? Who's your favorite Blazers player? I'm just curious. Uh, Lillard, Damian Lillard. All right. 
Yeah. That's fair. Right now, it was back in, when I was a kid, it was Clyde the Glide Drexler. You know, he was another All right. underrated yeah. shooting guard, you know? I hear you. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my, my last question uh, that I can think of right now, Jordan, is, you know, talking about, you know, from your experiences um, as a child to, you know, as a teenager selling to where you are now, um, what do you think has been the most influential in terms of, you know, who you are now, you're, you know, this amazing person who's bringing all this information, all this training to so many people. What do you think was the most influential point or event in your life that kind of, that gave you the strength that's gotten you through all of this, that has gotten you to the point where you are now? So, so there was three pivotal moments, like three, literally three pivotal moments that have happened in my life that, um, that have made me look at uh, adversity as, as an actual strength, right? Like the adversity that we face, um, it, it gives us strength, but it also increases our emotional intelligence because it, it, it creates this awareness. So in fourth grade, um, fourth, I remember this very vividly, fourth grade picnic, last day of the year, Pier Park in St. John's, Oregon. I have, I'm up to bat. I swing a baseball bat. It, it flies out of my hand, just like, you know, if, if you played baseball, that happens to the best of us. I spun around, the bat lands under a tree. I walk over, grab the bat, stand up, and there's a beehive on my head. And literally, I'm running, people are chasing me. It's, it's craziness. I get stung by 53 bees. So, so, so that if I was allergic, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So that was like, you know, you want to talk about painful. It was, it was painful, but there was so much adrenaline that I didn't really feel a whole lot of pain. It was just like, get these bees off of me, you know, <laughs> let's get these off. So that's like the first adversity that, that I had faced as a kid, you know? So fast forward to seventh grade, we had moved from uh, one part of town to another part. I had to take two public buses to get to my old middle school because I wanted to finish up seventh grade there. I didn't, you know, I had friends. I didn't want to move. So uh, I take, I take one bus. It drops me off at a seven 11. I hang out there. Like li literally my routine every day is walk in, say hi to lady Rosa and then get right on mortal Kombat two. Like that was like, that was my, that was my morning. That was my commute. And so I'm sitting there playing mortal Kombat two on one morning and um, I'm, I forget, I think I was raiding. I don't remember who I was, but I'm, I'm playing the game. All of a sudden I hear somebody behind me. They say, Hey, Daniel. And I'm of course not Daniel. So I don't respond within maybe a minute. My body gets lifted. I get thrown into the Terminator two pinball machine. My ribs get jabbed into that and I'm being assaulted, punched by a police officer who handcuffs me and throws me in the back of a cop car. And he said, you're under arrest. You, you, we know that you're, uh, a runaway. And, and I was like, listen, for one, I'm not Daniel. Two, I'm not a runaway. Three, look in my London fog jacket and you'll see that my homework's in here. You know, like look at, and he found my homework and it was, it was a false arrest. They thought I was a Hispanic runaway. I'm not actually even Hispanic. My dad's from the Philippines, but I literally got profiled as a runaway and I got beaten by police. We had to go through court and all kinds of different things. That was that was number two pivotal moment of adversity. The third one, when I was 19, I'd worked for a sales organization. We were moving from the Bay Area, California, opening an office in New Jersey, and we had made it to Wyoming. Well, in Wyoming, we had a caravan of four cars. Um, the driver, my friend Jeremy, he falls asleep at the wheel. 
when he wakes up, he hits the gas instead of the brake and, and overcorrects. So the, the truck is sliding and we roll several times. It lands. He gets ejected to the other side of the freeway. I didn't even realize I was injured, but I ended up having 52 staples between my two legs, uh, 12 inch cut on the right, eight inch cut on the left laser surgery. They told me I wouldn't be able to walk or run or anything. And, and, you know, it took me about maybe six months for full recovery. Right. So, you know, I look at these moments that I had gone through and, and that that's foundational for me, right? It's given me a lot of awareness. It's given me a lot of perspective for one, like there's times when I, sh I shouldn't even, I shouldn't be here <laughs> at all. You know, like my mom wasn't supposed to have kids and I go through these different moments. And what I've noticed is that adversity gives you a heightened sense of EQ or emotional intelligence, right? Because you become very self-aware, right? I've become really good at building, um, you know, managing my emotions. Like how do I manage these things going through those experiences? I've been good at building relationships was another bucket of EQ. And then last I have very good social awareness, right? Because of these situations that I've gone through. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, the adversity that I've gone through, I actually look at it as strength and not weakness. And when mm -hmm. I tell the stories and the, and share that journey with people, it's with the hopes to inspire them that no matter what you're going through, there's always somebody out there that has had it worse because even though I've went through those three things in my life, they still pale in comparison to my, to my mom who lived 54 years with one lung. Right. So I think perspective and using adversity as a strength versus a weakness is, is really what's helped me out. That's incredible. Thanks so much for sharing, Jordan. Yeah. No problem. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story, uh, your insight. I know uh, I'm definitely inspired. Uh, you know, I loved your perspective on everything, and you know, I'm I'm really excited to see you know where you head, especially with your podcast. So you know, for everyone listening, uh, check out Jordan. Check out his podcast, Blazer on Trail. You can find it on Anchor and all the other links from there. Uh, we'll put all of your social media links in the, uh, the show notes uh, along with everything else. So everybody check out Jordan. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, really man. Hey, I appreciate time. the time, guys. Thank you so yeah. much for the platform and the opportunity. And I know you guys are going to crush it. If there's any way I can help support you all, just let me know. I appreciate it. Thanks so Thanks much. So much. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, until next time.